How do we handle grief? Many internalize it, push it down and pretend it doesn't exist. You deny your feelings and sometimes it works. You can bury it deep inside where nobody can see it, put a smile on your face and pretend like everything's okay. Most people won't even know you're grieving. But burying grief is like consuming a nuclear bomb. It's going to blow up, or maybe you are. Sometimes when you bury your grief, you start to blame yourself for carrying it. You hate the way it feels, you hate that you're grieving, you blame your body for not feeling different, better. You blame yourself for things that were never really even your fault. And before long, you start to hate yourself for everything you shouldn't have experienced and don't want to be feeling. You scapegoat and other yourself until all that's left is foreign. And then there are times when you blame others and force all your feelings onto them. People become convenient scapegoats for grief. Maybe you blame those who aren't there for you or those who are too there for you, those who overwhelmed you. Maybe you scapegoat the government or scientists or doctors or anyone who seems to be causing this grief. Maybe you embrace conspiracy theories and blame everyone for being sheep. And before long, you are consumed by hatred. In both cases, you, beloved, are scapegoated. In both cases, your grief goes unacknowledged, unapproached. Your grief becomes other, a shadow. And it grows until it either consumes you, or you string it up and crucify it on that cross. Today, we will approach our own grief openly and honestly, because the healthiest way to, to grieve is to acknowledge it, to feel it, and recognize that it is good and a part of you. It's your body's way of dealing with loss, and that needs to be heard and respected. And the best way to respect your grief is to yield to it, feel it, and then communicate it, because no one needs to grieve alone. Then the healing begins. I bet that was an unexpected intro. That was unexpected. We're back. We are back. Back in the apocalypse. Um... Back in the apocalypse. It's true. So let's talk about grief, I guess. Unless you want to do a more casual, like, how's it going intro? I don't know. Or do we just want to jump right into we can, it? We can talk about grief as our vibe check. I'm good with that. What's your experience with grief? Uh, you start. Okay. So we're a month into this pandemic. I'm sure I'm not the only one starting to feel a little bit um, grief stricken, a little bit anxious a little bit depressed even um i'm sure that as people realize how long this is gonna last it's gonna start to become overwhelming and now that university and other schools or i guess yes it's only university that's ending there's not going to be as many distractions for people so i'm someone who's had to deal with it without any distractions so I can jump into how I've dealt with this pandemic, I guess. I don't have too much to say, surprisingly, but I recommend that anyone listening to this listens to our episode on mental health first, because I have a feeling there's going to be some callbacks. To begin, I need to do, I need to use the same um, 
disclaimer that I used in the mental health episode that if at any point during my speech it comes across as me blaming anyone, that kind of defeats the purpose of this. (laughs) So I'm not blaming anyone. I need to make that clear. This is how I felt slash feel. The slash was unnecessary. And I'm respecting that. I'm respecting my feelings by communicating them in this way. But that doesn't mean they're representative of how other people actually are or actually acted. So I, if to all three people listening to this, none of you are to blame. You're welcome. Okay. So when this pandemic all started, about a month and a week ago now, at least by the time we actually get this out, um, you know... I went to church with this guy. <laughs> he he made me pick him up from university and take him to church. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And it was actually a really good church service, I have to say. It was. Um, And then we went and looked at expensive houses by accident. Yeah, we did. <laughs> because I'm incapable of navigating. Yeah, you are. <clears throat> But that was great. That was actually like a pretty decent start to the pandemic. In your, in your defense, um, Google Maps was also absurd. Yeah. Okay. That partially that was Google Maps' fault, but also I think I punched it in wrong. So. Um, right. Um. But anyway, so like you know, honestly, out of anyone I know, I think I probably had the best circumstances at the beginning of this pandemic. Right. In that you know I basically work from home anyway, and I only leave the house to go to Ambrose. So. You know, I knew I was going to be a bit more lonely, but I still was in a far better place than anyone trying to finish university online or who's lost their jobs or um, is actually, like, suffering from the, the virus, right? Like, I, I was in a pretty privileged place, and so I took advantage of that, and I tried to be more engaged with the people around me, the people I would consider my community, I created a Discord channel for people to come and, you know, just a space for people to talk or whatever they wanted to do with it. And I put way too much work into trying to make that accessible. I made a dang YouTube video on it. Accident, well, not accidentally, but I shouldn't have put as much effort as I did. I wrote a freaking manifesto about what it was for. Again... Did anyone actually watch that YouTube video? No, I can check that. Did, they Did not? anyone actually? I think I had one view other than myself, so maybe one person clicked on it. Did anyone actually care for the manifesto? Probably not. Even I didn't after I wrote it. Um, but, you know, I did that. We planned game nights, right? I planned a trivia night, and Glendon and I planned a game night. And, I mean, Glendon was the one who actually put that into action because I slept in too late. Um <laughs> But, you know, we stayed up late, we planned that, we, I I was calling people, I was planning phone calls, I was checking in with people fairly regularly, I have to say, Um, and I was, like, really making an effort to stay engaged because I recognized that I was probably in the most beneficial position to do so. Um, But in kind of doing that, I was ignoring some of the grief I was feeling, Um. And it was almost like a coping mechanism, I guess, trying to get myself working or even doing something creative. Like I, I made that um, cover of a song by, from Mayday Parade called Sunnyland. Um, 
put way too much effort into that. But that was also fun and distracting and allowed me to ignore the way I was feeling. And I also coped by buying things because doing research on technology and buying it, boy, that's just oh, it's such a rush. And then, you know, I should have recognized that <laughs> isolation always makes me fall into the void because there's nothing there but your own thoughts. And when you're alone with your thoughts, it kind of doesn't end well, at least in my experience. I mean, this is literally, like I talked about in the mental health episode, grade 12 or the end of year two in university all over again, where I'm sitting at home all the time. And I kind of should have known this would happen, but, you know, it, it happened anyway because, of course, it's me. And typically, I like to fall into the dark places, apparently. Um, and before long, I just started to, like, kind of resent myself a little bit, resent others. Um... There was, I guess it, I probably would have started feeling it the last game, the game day, game night, whatever it was, the Jackbox day. When I woke up, I just knew when I woke up that day that I'm like, oh crap, we're, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to those places again. Yay. So that was like from what the day we were recording this right now, it would have been like a week and a half ago from the day this is published, probably like two weeks ago. Um, I feel like it definitely bled into when I was ta- talking to people over at Discord. I was just like, I, I, Glenn can maybe confirm or deny, but I was not exactly in the best mood, maybe. No comment? I don't know. Maybe? Maybe. No? This is like during the game night? Yeah. Did it, did it bleed through or... I don't Not. think so. I didn't notice anything, at least. Okay, good. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better. It means I'm really good at hiding stuff still. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's just like... Um, you start to dwell on like feelings that aren't necessarily legitimate. Like, no one cares about me. Or no one would bother to... Whatever. Ex- insert your own um blank there um or like i'm not good enough i'm an asshole who would want to talk to me anyway mm-hmm. and you know so i really like started <laughs> like like i talked about at the beginning of the episode i started to scapegoat myself and i started to scapegoat others so i used both um it was like i blamed myself for not being good enough for not dealing with this in a better way Mm. for falling into this again i blamed others for no one checking up on me at all um which again isn't anyone's fault because everyone's dealing with this Mm -hmm. in in their own way and a lot of people are dealing with the same struggles i am so i can't expect other people to reach out to me if i'm not willing to to express myself to them right Mm mm-hmm but to give myself some credit, I did make myself available in the Discord channel pretty much like 24-7. Like I was always in that general chat waiting for anyone to pop in and talk if they wanted to. And when no one did and I'm just sitting there alone with RhythmBot for hours on end, it's a little bit disheartening and a little bit lonely. So, I mean, I don't blame anyone for not using Discord because it's, it's a different... Um, it's a different format. It's not anything anyone's used to. And 
it's just, I don't know, it was just, I don't know, disheartening, I guess. And a little bit lonely being alone in the voice chat every day with RhythmBot. So shout out to you, RhythmBot. But I also didn't really reach out to anyone directly. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely could have done a better job of being like, hey, let's actually talk here at this time or whatnot. But, and, but again, that comes back to what I talked about in the mental health episode that I really don't like being a burden. Mm. Um, and I refused, especially in this time, to be a burden on anyone else who's already struggling with these things. Mm. Um, but still, it gave me an excuse to scapegoat others and throw my angry feelings on them. Which, again, I recognize is not the best way to deal with grief. But then, on the other hand, I kept running up against this question that, I don't know, I, I just kept asking myself and I kept seeing and it just, it just kept hitting me. What's wrong with you, Noah? Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, what is wrong with me? And so I buried myself and I didn't really want to talk to anyone or be engaged with anything hmm. um, because why would anyone want to talk to me when I'm at this point right now? Um, I'm basically just, <laughs> like I said, I'm basically an asshole to some extent. Um, it's not, I'm not worth talking to. Um, and, you know, I, I, I backed away from social media. I deleted Facebook or whatever you call deact- deactivated Facebook at one point. Um, and kind of engaged the darkness during Holy Week. Hmm. Um, because, you know, the whole Good Friday thing. I'm like, you know what? Let's dive into this. Um, and really see how how, da- how dark we can get. And the, big, the biggest difference for me, I guess, during this compared to my other previous mental health struggles is that this... I was almost observing it rather than experiencing it. Hmm. It was like, yeah, I know I'm feeling this way and I know I'm going to these places, but I'm not going to stop myself. I kind of want to see where it goes. So it wasn't as like dire, I guess I'd put it, or it didn't feel as dire. Um, and, you know, as I started to think about it and like review my um, my experience with, the, with this pandemic, I, I had to come to the conclusion that quite frankly, as much as, I have been in a privileged position. I've also lost a lot. Yeah. Um, like, are we were supposed to be going to Europe in, yeah. well, right now, it'd be 10 days by the time this goes up, like less than a week. Um, that was canceled and we still haven't gotten our money back. <laughs> um, I've apparently, we're going to lose my trip to Florida in the summer. Right. Which also sucks. Um, I've lost a lot of community and friendships, which regardless of of context and effort or any of the things that I've talked about, like you still aren't as close to people when you're not actually physically around them. Mm-hmm. And so that is loss. And, you know, quite frankly, I know people like to demean the way people um, are missing sports, but I really do feel like I've lost hockey is one of my like key outlets. And one of the things that really, like, I enjoyed and, and focused on. So, like, I, I think, I know, I, I don't want to get into why hockey is important, but, like, it is it is a loss. And, you know, I've lost church, even though I was <laughs> debating on how I felt about church in the first place. It's still that sense of community yeah. or regularity, even, that's, you know, just gone. And, I mean, I've lost freedom. I can't do anything freely anymore. I can barely leave the house unless it's, you know, her, you know, 
essential things. Yeah. And and even just the loss of a good um, mental mindset because I'm riddled with anxiety from just being in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, when I look at how my body is dealing with this and how I'm dealing with this, um, my mental health is kind of tanked. Yeah. And it's weird because I know how to deal with it. I know... Like, I've been through it enough that I know different ways to um, work through it. But boy, I just haven't done... <laughs> I haven't acted on those. I've just let it kind of drown. And instead of talking to anyone about it, I just kind of did the old bury it deep down and pretend it doesn't exist because I don't want to be a burden when everyone else has their own things to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, and physically... I've really been struggling. I have trouble sleeping now. And I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but I have heart palpitations. It's a genetic thing. Mm. Um, And they've been worsening because of the added anxiety and whatnot. And also the fact that, you know, they're easier to notice when you're literally not doing anything else. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, like, physically, I am struggling a bit. And mentally, I'm struggling a bit. And so emotionally, I'm blowing up. Um, I've had a few blow-ups, well, one significant blow-up at home, um, I've had just overall this dark feel throughout my, the last week, week and a half, up until the last couple days, um, when I realized doing a podcast would probably also help, (laughs) um, and, you know, it's just, it's just been a struggle, really to summarize my my feelings it's just I've just been lonely and I've felt isolated and I've kind of been blaming other people for what they have or haven't done and really it's just I'm feeling sad and missing people I think that's really all it is um and I'm too (laughs) burdened by not wanting to be a burden to really do anything about it um it's almost just like a fear of missing out or a fear of being alone or isolated. And yeah, so it's really, it's not really anything anybody has or hasn't done. It's not even my fault, but I just needed something or someone to scapegoat. And so I try to blame people for not being on Discord or myself for not making more of an effort or um, myself for feeling this way at all instead of just experiencing it and rolling through it and walking through it and perhaps even yielding to it. I have to accept what I've lost, which means admitting that I have in, indeed been experiencing loss and then allow myself to grieve. And in the midst of my grief and, and my loneliness, I, I wrote a poem and I'm going to read it now. It's not a new poem. I actually tweeted it out like a, two or three days ago, so I'm sure some of you have already read it, maybe. Um, and hopefully it'll add some context or at least help convey what I was feeling and maybe even give a little bit of hope um, at the end. This is A Cosmic Pause by me. There's a cosmic pause when the soft snowflakes freeze in their free fall and my frosty heart skips a beat. My boots sink down into darkness, that icy ocean who threatens to swallow me, or at least my mask, my deceit. Because honestly I feel like a lie. The eye that I cling to is not me, but a question begging to know why I feel so damn incomplete. Without my why, who am I? Without my story, do I even exist? 
Or am I really just faceless, another crumpled up pharmacy receipt? The world breaks everyone, and right now the broken places are raw. You feel blind to light as you crawl down the dark ditch along the street. You scream, but darkness swallows your voice too. It hurts to breathe. You are left selfless in solitary silence as the snow turns to sleet. But it's in stillness, in death, that I and you fade into we and our brilliant colors coalesce. Yes, it takes a little blindness to finally see. It's in darkness that love draws close and whispers her truth ever so loudly. It's in this cosmic pause that we discern how grace demands nothing of me. So that's how I'm doing. <laughs> Hope that was enjoyable to listen to. I'm sure that was real positive. Yeah. How are you doing? Um, it's weird. Mm. <sighs> Trying to think. I don't even know when we recorded the last time. I think it was when people were still. It is when people were still around. But um, it was like the the first week of the pandemic. I yeah. Think. Yeah, it's like, it's weird, because I don't know if I've been feeling grief as much as I've just kind of been numb to everything. Because, um, like, the first week that things started happening was, like, the travel study got canceled, and a couple other things were going down. Um, mm-hmm. Like, the day before the travel study got canceled... um there was like a CBC article that got posted about um, someone who I'd worked with over summer one year who she had committed suicide in the October previous. And so they put posted the CBC article and like that brought a bunch of feelings back. And then the next day the travel study got canceled and I was like, Oh my goodness, this is so much. Hmm. And then kind of that weekend, everything got shut down and all of those feelings that I was, like, not even really starting to process with just kind of got shoved in the... And it was like, okay, there's mm-hmm. all of this now. And so dealing with, like, the very sudden loss of my community, um, processing with, like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to move out. Oh, I don't actually have to move out. That's weird. Um, just a lot of, like, transitions and uncertainty and all these different things. Um, and then... When I when I really noticed was um what was it the twenty fifth? It was a couple weeks ago. Twenty seventh. March twenty seventh. So that day, um, I got a call from my mom and uh my grandpa had passed away. Um this is what the call was about. And I remember kind of leaving that phone call and just being like this is yet another thing it wasn't like oh no like my my grandfather like my last living grandparent has passed away let's deal through this it's i have so many other things this isn't even on the register right now um Mm. and then the next tuesday i got like food poisoning and was completely out for a solid day or so um, and then my parents had, had come out for, for the funeral. It was basically a, a small funeral between like the direct family. Like even the kids weren't there just cause of like number restrictions or like the grandkids weren't there just cause yeah. of number restrictions. Um, and so 
they were out and I was basically able to like recover from food poisoning and hang out with my family and I did no work that week. Um, and I realized how that was kind of my rock bottom moment of like, I am so emotionally drained and burnt out from just everything. And I still have like school technically and so that weekend, I, like, emailed all of my props, and I was like, I, I need extensions, because this is just not practically getting done. Um, and everyone was super generous. They were like, hey, yep, whatever. Um, so everything kind of got pushed back. Like, Darren was essentially... Dar- Darren's, Darren's thing was essentially, you can finish the... You can hand in assignments at the end of the summer, and I really won't care. Um Wow. So, yeah. And so, he gave you sausage. And he got me sausage, which was good. Um, so, yeah, I really, I took some time. I stepped back. Um, I am now, I'm finished half my classes right now. And I just have nice. two papers left and then I'm done, which feels good. I'm not excited for these papers. I'm hoping I become excited for these papers. Um but yeah, I'm kind of like two more assignments essentially, and then I'm finished. Um, Twenty pages approximately. So yeah. it's I'm coming to a resolution. And the weird thing, the weird thing for me is, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people are in the state of, hey, I don't have a job, I don't have anything. Um, let's find hobbies or whatever. And I'm not quite there, because I still have school, technically, that needs to get done. Um, And so I'm kind of waiting to finish school, and then I'll probably get to that moment. But at the same time, there have definitely been things. Like, I bought the the Master Chief collection a couple weeks ago. Nice. And I've just been completely binging through that, so that's been good. I Um, like that. Yeah. And then, um, I don't know. I've been binging through community with my friend who's still on res while we make suppers. And nice. Yeah. So there have been, like, some small things, but it's it's very strange. I, I feel very... Obviously, that is a step in, like, the grieving process, but I feel more numb right now than I do, like, distraught or anything else. Because mm. um, I'm just, like, there's so many things... And I just need to sit down and be as productive as I can be for a day and then move on to the next day and see what happens. So it's really weird in that degree. Um, yeah, it's it's all very strange. Hopefully I can get assignments done in the next couple of weeks and then I don't know what happens after that. If I go home or whatever, it's who knows. Um, cause I know, I know Manitoba has like a two week quarantine set up, um, just for interprovincial inter- travel. Yeah. Um, cause my parents had to come back and deal with that. Um, my fear is that it might be like a whole family thing. Cause my mom does work with like, um, women recovering from addictions. And so that doesn't really stop mm. for her right now. She's still coming in and helping with that in the city. And so that might be a conversation because if I come back home 
I like I don't feel like I'll be super worried if I quarantine for two weeks. We're in the middle of the country anyway. Um, and nothing's going to be dramatically affected. I just won't be able to go anywhere for two weeks, but I'll have like games and movies that I can watch. Um, my fear is that if that's going to be like, oh, this person's in quarantine, so your whole family has to be in quarantine, because I don't know how that would work. But, yeah, it's weird. It's a really weird time. I have been trying to, like, keep up with friendships and communications. Um, Especially, I feel like a lot of people have birthdays right now. So that's kind of been my end to just talking to people and catching up with people. Um, But there have been other things. I don't know. It's, the more I can talk to people, the better it is. But I yeah, also feel... I agree. I, I do feel that pressure of, like... And this has always kind of been who I am, is I am someone who naturally, like, goes and reaches out to people. And I feel like mm-hmm. people don't intrinsically reach out to others in, like, reciprocation. No, you're, you're 100% right. Which is frustrating, but that's what it is, so... Yeah, and... Yeah, it it just kind of sucks. <laughs> mhm. Um but I think yeah, it's good to like talk about this stuff because you know, I I was watching <laughs> I was watching these videos that this guy made recently. <laughs> um they're inspired by Sugar Pine 7. Nice. <laughs> yes. And at the end of I think it was the last video this guy talked about being honest and having that space where he can be his honest self and finally finding that. Am I right that it was the last video? It might have been. It also may have been the second video. Crap. Okay, whatever. That was the one that, was the one that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not honest very often. At least not, like, completely honest. Mm. Not, like, this level of honesty, like, talking about grief and struggles and and whatnot. Mm. So, yeah, you made me think about what I can do about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was something kind of related to that that I had challenged with me. Um, Because after kind of stepping into into this semester, I was really, really paranoid about conclusions and endings. And the semester ending and everyone drifting apart. Um, And then, like, graduation coming up for for me next year. And what I was kind of challenged with with that was, like, go talk to people about that. Which I haven't entirely done 100%. But there's definitely been some places where I'm, like, it's okay to just be honest with people about, like, your fears. Because that's how you meet and challenge your fears because it's easy it's easy to like build up a narrative when you don't actually talk to people about it yep but like the way you challenge your narrative is to actually test it out and like live i think the most terrifying part of challenging your narrative is worrying that it might be true yeah (laughs) but you're right like you're 100 percent right Mm -hmm. um you've got to get out of your own head yeah at least, or I should say, I've got to get out of my own head. Mm-hmm. I would say you've had a more tangible experience, maybe, 
like a more tangible, overwhelming experience with loss, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It's... It feels very, like... Oh, there's a term for it. I don't know. It feels very, like, outside of myself. Like... Mm. And part of that, I think, is just the weird, nebulous nature of, like, time and everything right now. It's... True. I, I feel very much like an observer, and I'm just kind of, like, waiting for everything to end, for life to start again. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I get that. We both talked about observing. That's interesting. Yeah. So, what do we do with grief, or what do we do with our suffering, or what do we do with these struggles that we've talked about? Um, Something for me that I have not been thinking about as much as I should, Um, the day before Good Friday, uh, I helped out with Terry Faw doing some chapel stuff. Because mm. they they were still doing like online chapels essentially, and one of the things that they set up, you can go and find this on the Ambrose University YouTube page actually. Um, but mm-hmm. they set up, I don't know if you know what a Tenebrae service is. Nope. Basically, it's um, I forget the the name for the day in the Christian calendar, but it's essentially a, a remembering um, the day before Good Friday. Um, with like Jesus in Gethsemane and the Last Supper, like the Last Supper and the Jesus in Gethsemane. And what happens is you start with like the room fully lit and you have a bunch of candles and everything. And as the service goes on, you like slowly um, snuff out these candles until by the end, it's just the room in darkness and you have the Christ candle, which gets carried out at the end. Uh, still lit, but it, it's carried out. Um and so I got to be part of that, which was cool. And I got to, like, read, um, do a scripture reading of Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane. Um, and just, like, his anguish and him sitting there being like, this this is physically pain, painful for me, but, like, whatever you will. Um, and I think that's a really good touchstone to have right now. Um, as part of the service, Terry Faw, like, the school chaplain, um kind of what he said is one of the secret blessings of this um, this pandemic in this time is that it can help us really connect with um, really really connect with Good Friday in, in a way that maybe we haven't been able to before, really connect with the concept of lament and the concept of you know like suffering and loneliness and all these things. And so I think that's kind of been my touchstone as much as possible is at least with my faith just the fact that this suffering and loneliness or whatever is accepted if not encouraged it's it's a sacred part of this belief system and you you almost don't have christianity without that sense of suffering without that sense of <clears throat> loss so I don't know. That's been something that I keep thinking yeah, about. You, you, what you said there reminded me of a quote I read from Richard Rohr recently. Um, he says, I believe that the cross is an image for our own time and every time. We are invited to gaze upon the image of the crucified Jesus to soften our hearts towards all suffering. Amidst the devastating spread of COVID-19, the cross beckons us to what we would call grief work. 
holding the mystery of pain, looking right at it and learning from it. Deep gazing upon the mystery of divine and human suffering leads to an uncanny and newfound compassion and understanding. Gazing upon the image of the crucified helps us know that God's heart has always been softened towards us, and most especially in our suffering. Mm. So linking back to the good the Good Friday yeah. um, elements of it and what we can do with the crucified Christ in this mm-hmm. pandemic. And it's interesting, too. Like, I just finished a class studying the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And something I keep noticing is I think all throughout Scripture, but, I mean, especially, like, you look at the the crucifixion, you look at a lot in the Pentateuch, is blessings always come with suffering. Whenever, Whenever God blesses or protects Israel, there's always devastation around it. There's always loss mm. with gain, um, and I think I think that's again it's a good touchstone to have because it's easy to think in Western Christianity that um, blessings are just good things God does for you. God really wants you to go out and buy a car, um, but more often than not, blessings come within suffering. Whether that sometimes is suffering of the self, you have to go through circumstances, go through the wilderness to really refine your identity and figure out who you are. And I think a lot of people are going to be going through that right now. Yeah, die die to self. Yeah. To quote the Bible. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, the whole message of the cross is the one suffering of of humanity. Mm -hmm. Like the united suffering of all things. Because really we're... None of us are in this alone. None of us are truly especially this that's what the pandemic shows like we're all suffering together mm-hmm. um and i don't know the cross kind of shows that like i don't need to hide or deny our human reality yeah like this is how it is mm-hmm. yeah i don't know there's a there's a bunch of, in, in the Universal Christ, Richard Rohr writes, uh, he has this, um, this uh, I guess you could call it a prayer or an open meditation, something like that, where you speak back to Christ on the cross. Hmm. One, a, a few of the things he mentions are in this moment are, we humans so often hate ourselves, but we mistakenly kill you and others instead. Hmm. I feel like this idea of scapegoating, which I brought up earlier, um and loss and grief and how we deal with that um in some ways regardless of your opinions on um the the christian story um the story of the cross is about taking on that that scapegoating taking on the blame taking on the suffering and not blaming everyone who quite frankly could be blamed mm-hmm. um and kind of breaking that cycle of violence and, and scapegoating mm-hmm. by giving up his own life. I don't know if that made sense. I think so. We don't need to be perfect. We don't need to be right. We can engage. We can gaze upon this grief yeah. and recognize the the <laughs> the oneness present in it because there's not a single person on earth right now who's not in some regard dealing with loss and grief. Mm-hmm. So what do we do with grief? What do we do now? 
um, I guess the one answer is we need to stop fighting it and mm-hmm. instead yield and give into it. Yeah. I think we, I didn't talk about my radio station thing last time, I guess, cause that was probably before. No. Um, cause this is something, maybe this is a rabbit trail. I don't think it is. Um, this is something that I've really been frustrated with, with a lot of, um, things that I've just seen from the church. And this is just a really good example of it. Um, Mm -hmm. So when my parents were in town, they were playing the local Calgary Christian radio station because that's what they listen to a lot of the time. I generally do not listen to Christian radio. uh, If I generally don't listen to the radio at all. Um, And so they had Shine FM playing. And I don't remember all of the ad because it went on for a while. But it was like in this time of cancellation. We would just like you to know, love isn't canceled. Jesus isn't canceled. Grace isn't. And it, like it went on for like 10 examples. And I'm like, fam, no. And I've seen similar things like that of just like, perk up, everything's going to be okay. And I get the intention behind that. And I think there are people who probably that's genuinely what they need to hear. Um but I also think there's a lot of people who just need to hear, like, it's okay to suffer. It's okay to be grieving. There's nothing wrong with grieving. Grieving isn't a problem that we need to fix. It's something we need to accept and sit through. Mm. Um, and Jesus wants to sit with you in your grief. That's fine. That's encouraged. Um, and yeah, seeing it, I guess, more as, like, just the present thing rather than some big problem that needs to be fixed. Cause I don't think grief is a problem. It's a very natural reaction. Yeah. Um, it's almost like you're saying we need to be present in our grief. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, that, you know, reminds me of another quote I read from Richard Roy recently, <laughs> um, where he talks about, Oh, well, this is just the quote. But gradually I learned to soften into the pain and yield to my suffering. In this process, compassion for all suffering beings began unexpectedly to swell in my heart. I became acutely aware of my connectedness to mothers everywhere who had lost children, who were at this very moment hearing the impossible news that their child had died. Grief strips us. According to the mystics, this is good news. Because it is only when we are naked that we can have union with the beloved. We can cultivate spiritual disciplines designed to dismantle our identities so that we may we have hope of merging with the divine or someone we love very much may die and we may find ourselves catapulted into the emptiness we had been striving for. Even as we cry out in the anguish of loss, the boundless love of the Holy One comes pouring into the shattered container of our hearts. The replenishing of our emptiness is a mystery. It is a grace and it is built into the human condition. Few among us would ever opt for the narrow gate of grief, even if it were guaranteed to lead us to God. But if our most profound losses, the death of a loved one, the ending of a marriage or a career, catastrophic disease, or alienation from community, bring us to our knees before that threshold, we might as well enter. The beloved might be waiting in the next room. So basically, there's sometimes... Or you... there. You can almost look at suffering, at grief, at darkness as just another way of experiencing 
oneness or unity or the presence of the divine. Yeah. And that ties back to the poem I read earlier that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Because it's all connected. Mm. So, yeah, I guess um, when it comes to grief, experience it. Mm-hmm. Be present in it. And I think it's interesting. I There's one song that I keep thinking about sending to you. I don't mm. know. Do you know who Gabrielle Applin is? Who? Gabrielle Applin. She, no. She's not very big, but she's done a couple things. And she has one song called My Mistake, which is just a very Enneagram 4 song. Um but like one of the lyrics in it is talking about like how there's a like a magic within the misery, and like mm. she doesn't want comfort; she just wants to like accept the present circumstances. And yeah, yeah, that it's it's a relevant concept for right now. I think. Oh, absolutely. And I think one other thing that we can do during this period of of grief is. Like, listen to your body. Yeah. Hillary McBride wrote something on her Instagram recently um, about about this pandemic. And she said, when something is scary, overwhelming, uncertain, our bodies respond. They speak up and it sounds like racing hearts, jitters, fatigue, sleeplessness, irritability, tight jaws and headaches, easy tears and changes in appetite. Whatever it is that is showing up, it's your body's communication that this is hard. Mm-hmm. The messages are not always fun to receive, but they are good. Mm-hmm. Part of our survival, part of our ability to keep ourselves safe. Instead of hating our bodies, shutting down the sensation further, blaming or shaming ourselves for having these messages at all, there's always the opportunity to turn towards our bodily self and offer ourselves the comfort and care we need most when things are hard. These messages are the doorway into practicing self-compassion. When we take it further, we can see that these messages show us who we are. They tell us what is hard for us, what we long for, what feels like too much, and what matters most. Our bodies have known what our thinking minds have been trained to forget. We are connected. We are in a context. We cannot shove down or conquer life by ignoring what we are feeling. To help our nervous systems with everything they are going through right now, we can start by responding to ourselves with gratitude, making the assumption that no matter where we are and what we're doing, we're doing our best. And bodies are just speaking up about what is going on in and all around us. I think that kind of hits the nail on the head right there. I mean, literally, when I went for counseling, like, several weeks ago now, that was basically, like, the advice that I got. was, like, listen to your body, slow down, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think there's still like, like, let's engage our grief. Let's feel it. Let's experience it. Let's be present in it. Yeah. But let's not lose sight of the fact that we are still inherently good. We are still worthy. Like, don't just like, don't just ignore the positive affirmations. Show the gratitude for yourself that you deserve a big part of like accepting grief accepting whatever listening to your body is being able to say like it's okay if you're not productive as you want to be yeah it's okay i think i've seen so many just screwy posts on social media where it's like what was the big one that was going around it was like if you're not productive in the or if you're not able to do 
new things in this time or whatever. Like, it wasn't a productivity or time issue. It was, like, a lack of focus or dedication. I don't remember exactly what the post was. But it was like, no, like, this is a time of mental strain for so many people. Like, you're allowed to not be productive. You're allowed to, like, be frustrated. You're allowed to be in this space and say, like, hey, this is really hard. I can't do what I want to do today. That's yeah. perfectly acceptable. Ugh, that bothers me. Yeah. That actually, ugh, I can't believe people would be arrogant and ignorant enough to say that. And it was like, it was dressed up as like this encouraging thing or whatever. And it's like, no. You are good regardless of what you do. Yeah. You are enough regardless of what you do. Like, you are loved regardless of what you do. Mm-hmm. You don't need to earn it, basically. Yeah. You don't have to earn your enoughness mm-hmm. or grovel for value, for love, for goodness. I'm referring a little bit to another Hillary McBride quote, but I don't know if I want to read this out because there's a lot here, but um, Hillary McBride also wrote like a, a full post on kind of what to do during this period of mental health struggles um, and engaging with, with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll, I'll link it in the um, the episode description. Is that what they're called for podcasts? I, I don't, don't know. know. Um, but there's a lot of good helpful tips in this article. And I, I don't, again, I don't just want to summarize an article for you. Um, but again, mindfulness is can basically be summed up as the root of it be mindful of yourself listen to your body feel what you feel and engage with that and i don't think we need to completely lose all hope but maybe hope needs to be a little bit different yeah uh richard Rohr again (laughs) sorry fourth time um but he posted recently about um mystical hope and There are three points he makes. Um, One, mystical hope is not tied to a good outcome, to the future. Mm -hmm. It lives a life of its own, seemingly without reference to external circumstances and conditions. Number two, it has something to do with presence, not a future good outcome, but the immediate experience of being met, held in communion by something intimately at hand. And number three, it bears fruit within us at the psychological level in the sensations of strength, joy, and satisfaction, an unbearable lightness of being. But mysteriously, rather than deriving these gifts from outward expectations being met, it seems to produce them from within. So hope can be found even in present suffering. It's just a different kind of hope that's not rooted in whether or not things will ever get better. And I will say, things will get better. (laughs) But that's not where hope needs to necessarily be found. There's a, an, a maybe a uh, an ultimate ground where hope is ever present. Yeah. But yeah, again, things will eventually get better. We're not going to be stuck in this pandemic forever. Mm-hmm. Though it might be a long time. It might be a long time. That kind of wraps up everything I had for my grief section. Yeah, that's good. I think we covered a lot. I think we covered a- enough. <laughs> uh, we covered what needed to be covered. I agree. You had something, uh, when we first started or before we started recording, You, it sounded like you had some ideas of what you wanted to talk about, or we were talking about Sugar Pine 7 or something. Um, I was just talk, thinking about my video, my videos. Yeah, talk about that. 
I don't know. I I don't really have that much to talk about. I just like talking about the inspiration because basically, in like my first year, I guess, I just started recording dumb things on my floor, and my floor was Zion Hall, and so they became the Zion Report, and I was like, this is funny, um, and then now I'm on a different floor. And I was like, what can I do with this? And so I went to Sugar Pine 7, which is, um, for those of you who don't know, amazing and also dead. Um, but basically, it was kind of a, a parody. Not entirely. <laughs> it's retired. It was like a parody of YouTube vlogs. Um, and it was great. It was a lot of just goofy, dumb friends hanging out. But there's also something about, like, I think all of the best videos on that channel that's like weirdly bittersweet and nostalgic and Mm, so i wanted to i wanted to recreate that just kind of as a storyteller and so i wound up the first the first episode i did is like completely directly inspired um to the point of using the same closing song because i was like this is funny but basically started to record some of the stuff on my floor in that sense. Um, and, like, a big part of Sugar Pine 7 is, like, the voiceover, which in Sugar Pine 7 it's mostly just bitter sarcasm with, like, some nostalgic bittersweet reflection. And I think in mine it mostly became bittersweet reflection, but it was good. It was it was a way to, like, vocalize a lot of the things that I had been feeling. And... The last the last video of the year went out because Res is closed now, and so I did like kind of one final reflection, which felt good. So I I did that, which was good. Um, it was well done. Yeah, thanks. It was it was a lot of just I don't know. I, I, when I started it, I was kind of like I just want to up the production value of what I'm doing. And again, partly just like as a storyteller, I wanted to explore a new format of telling stories, which is why I think that second video for a while was my favorite. Because um, you just have the, the scene. There, there's a moment where like the, everyone steps outside and the sun streams in and the chorus for shoot, what song is it? Um, Carry On by Fun kicks in. And it's yes. just, it's good. It's good stuff. And I'm like, this makes me emotional. So I feel like I've accomplished something as a storyteller. Um, but then, yeah, it just kind of became sort of like personal reflection more and more. So I don't know. It was it was a good way to process. I encourage people to find creative ways to process. That's how yes. I'll, I'll spin that into something relevant. Yeah. And like... Wow, this ties in kind of perfectly. Um, that, you know, I was asked somewhat recently on Twitter um, why type 4s often live not just in but for the darkness. Because I made that's a pretty bold claim I made. Um, and I, I really didn't have a good answer. But then when I thought about it, it's I think it's because there's not only truth, but there is beauty and goodness that is only discovered in darkness. Mm-hmm. And it's out of that darkness in fresh radiance where we create the most beautiful things. And there's a quote from Dionysius, who's actually pseudo-Dionysius, in case you're curious. Um, 
But he says that the simple mysteries of divine truth are hidden in the superluminous darkness of that silence which, which revealeth in secret. For this darkness is yet radiantly clear, and it more than fills our unseeing minds with splendors of transcendent beauty. And so it's like, you know, it's, the darkness is kind of necessary sometimes, because you can be creative. Sometimes it does inspire the most beautiful things. I mean, I know this is kind of cliche, but and it's been said way too much, but technically... A lot of great works of art have come out of pandemics and dark times and, and war and whatever. Um, so don't feel forced to try and be creative because, again, if you're grieving, sometimes sometimes being creative can help the grieving process, but sometimes you just don't even feel like you have the capacity to be creative when you're grieving. And so sit with that and don't force yourself. But if you feel that urge, don't try to bury it either. Because sometimes you might be able to create something beautiful out of it. Did that work in conjunction with what you were saying? Sure. I liked it. So it's fine. But yeah, I, uh, your videos, uh, that, that nostalgic narration at the end and the honesty and I don't know, it just it worked for me. There you go. I don't know. Do you want to do some recommendations or do you have anything else you want to talk about? Technically, we're at an hour. Technically, we are which, at an hour, which doesn't mean anything for us. I mean, yeah, that would be one of our shorter episodes. I think it's really funny. This has nothing to do with anything. Um, Perfect. But I was just going through Twitter stuff, and I realized a lot of the things I post on Twitter don't get, like, a lot of interaction. Um, Probably. So I I made a post yesterday. This is just as an example. I made a post yesterday um, about, like, Ambrose registration, which has been really frustrating for me because... Yes, I thought all of my classes are conflicting right now, and it's super dumb. Cause, yeah, it's just it's very dumb. Like I can't I can't take Nikayla's class that she's super excited for because it's gonna conflict with Capstone. Um, oh, you have no idea how good that class is gonna be. It's gonna be, be so good. Um, <laughs> the things she told me about that class is I'm not allowed to say. I I I remember she gave like a brief teaser of it, and like I'm not gonna be able to take that because it clashes with capstone if i do take milton which is the class that i have been begging for just because i feel like i need to take it it's gonna clash with wisdom lit which i really want to take because that's gonna feed into like everything we've been talking about about like emotions and grief and whatever um and so those are both really frustrating um and basically i've coasted through my degree kind of just taking english classes and like religion classes studies classes yeah and so now it's like take a random psych class or something unless things get fixed with the registrar which usually happens but again so i made a post kind of complaining about that and i got like 11 likes which is probably more than usual um my tweet analytics is like about 200 like impressions time people saw this tweet on twitter 277 which is surprising to me yeah 58 total engagements sweet that's high oh that's a high ratio it is that's usually like the the impressions yeah i've seen that before but having that many engagements for that many impressions that's like what is that one to five or five to one something like that it was a lot but to be fair like heather commented on a bunch because like heather and i talked back and forth and then other people Uh Like, that's a lot. Of, so that's, like, above regular for me. Um, yeah. Back in, like, March, 
and I don't I don't have notifications set up on Twitter for when somebody who I'm not following interacts with my tweets. So I just don't notice usually. Really? Um I should have had that set up a few days ago. I, yeah. Um and so I have um I made a post back in like end of March. I like reshared something about Rise of Skywalker and I made a, a Twitter post about how I'm bitter about Rise of Skywalker because it's a bad movie. Um, and I just kind of left it and I noticed like Ben liked it and that's the only thing I noticed. And I went back, it has five retweets and 17 likes over like 650 impressions. Dang. And then like 40 engagement. Um, but like, it kind of like, I guess, I, I don't know if I would call that blowing up, but like five people retweeted it who I don't follow and also don't follow me. They just saw it somehow. Um, that's just really yep. funny to me. It just went crazy on Raylo Reddit or Raylo Twitter, I guess, which is funny to me. I also had a tw- tweet blow up on Star Wars Reddit, except it was not fun. And I hated getting all the notifications. That was real annoying. Was that the one that I commented on? Yes. That legitimately had me contemplating deleting Twitter. I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't need all these notifications. Good lord. I... And not noti- I'm I should clarify, they were not likes on my tweet. I got <laughs> zero likes. Oh, I bet. Um, it was just annoying. Either either they were likes on your tweets, and you got a lot. Or they were comments or replies, and I'm like, I can't be asked to I bother dealing with five. you. Here's the thing with social media, <laughs> okay? When you start to define your worth by how many likes or responses you get, um, that can be very detrimental to your mental health. And I can speak for experience there because this last week it's like, man, I wish my tweets got more likes. I wish my Facebook post would actually get any notice at all. Rip. But I'm sorry. I, if you want, I can help you look into like, my because again i have if people who i don't follow comment i think i think i'll notice if they comment but if they like or retweet i get no notifications or anything so yo i know how to i learned i turned off notifications on twitter after that fiasco (laughs) yeah i know how to do it um it was just it wasn't like it's not like i got like hate messages it was just annoying that's fair most like the the replies I saw, which I, I I don't know if I saw all of them, but they were somewhat reasonable. Um, I feel like it's mostly overly dramatic. To me that I'm seeing. It was fine. It is what it is. It just it was annoying. That's fine. Um, but you know, I wish I wish my like poetry that I tweet would get responses like that, <laughs> <laughs> or like anything else that I tweet. Darren's following me now, so that's fun. Oh, finally. Because he, he made a post where it was like, is it okay to follow people on, follow students on Twitter? And I was like, yes, do it. I mean, you're basically graduated at this point. I mean, I have another year, but like, <laughs> this is a weird thing. Um, All of the classes that he's teaching next year are classes that I've already taken. Really? So I'm not going to have a class with Darren next year. What are you going to do? I will be sad. Um, I still need to talk to Rita about potentially trying to get into grad school, but I don't know how easy that's going to be at this point. Um, like, you can, you'll be able to do it eventually, I'm sure. Get into grad school? Yeah. Are you trying Hopefully. to do it, like, right now? 
No, not like this coming year. Okay. It would be the year after. I just want to get started so I know what to... That's fair. I Goosen... So, I'm friends with Goosen's son because he's on res, and I'll play, like, Smash Bros. with him. So... Yeah. I don't... A couple Sundays ago, I got invited to their place for supper. Um, what the heck? Yeah. Because Jacob was like, hey, come over. And I was like, sure. And Jonathan Goosen was like, yeah, I mean... I feel like it's a little weird if I invite my students, but, like, if you're friends with my son, then, like, it's chill. So. <laughs> so. Is that, is that, okay. I guess that's how it works. So I've been getting, like, Darren made me sausage. Goosen made me, he made, like, smoked salmon. Um, it was. What the heck? Yeah, it was, it was a lot for my, like, limited taste palette. I felt like it was definitely good food, but it was just a lot more flavorful than anything I usually have. So I was kind of caught off guard. Oh, yeah. It was like a really fancy salad. Um, But I got talking to him about grad school and stuff. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you should be able to make it in grad school. And I think just from what I've heard from, like, Heather and Rachel and people, it seems like Ambrose's English program is a lot more intensive than regular English programs. Weird. Because I guess, because we, like, regularly will have, like, 10-page papers and stuff. And yeah. Um, like hour-long presentations, like those are regular things in the English program, and apparently, at like MRU or U of C, that's just not a thing that happens. Well, then let's hope I'm able to get into uh, old Cambridge. Yeah. Um, because apparently the vibe is like if you can make it in like Amherst English, you will be able to make it in grad. Like it'll just be chill. Um, like maybe a little bit well, more then... work, but like, so. Then you should try to get into Cambridge, too. That's encouraging. Or Oxford. Mm-hmm. Or, like, pretty much... I'm down with anywhere, you know? I'd be down with, like, Stanford. Mm-hmm. Or Harvard. <laughs> I'm not down with... You know, U of A just seems so boring to me. I don't want to just go to Edmonton to get my grad. No, I agree. Like, if I'm going to do this, I want to go and, like, study English in a place where English matters. Yeah. Like, again, the, pretty much anywhere in the UK would be pretty cool, to be that honest. That would be cool. Then I could finally go. I I saw a video. You could finally go overseas. Finally go overseas. I, I saw a video today of somebody joking around in Paris, and I got really sad. I'm supposed to be in Paris. Fine. <laughs> oh, that's going to, next, next Sunday is going to suck. Yeah. I'm actually that. That's gonna be my dark day, even though it's my mom's birthday. <laughs> I bet you next Saturday is gonna suck for a lot of people, though. Yeah. What's next Saturday? Grad, grad or when grad, grad is supposed right. to be. Yeah. I'll probably message a bunch of people that day and be like, "Are you okay? Do you need to talk?" I ordered a Galaxy Buds because I'm still coping. Nice. Um, they're, they're pretty cheap now, actually. And if you have a a Samsung phone, it's a good, um, companion. But also for anyone who might be listening to this, that might be either a gig worker, contractor, or part-time worker making less than a thousand dollars a week. Oh, no, sorry. A month. (laughs) Yeah. Let's not, let's not get that wrong. If you're making less than $1,000 a month and you made more than 5000 last year, you can apply for the Canada's Emergency Response Benefit Program thing and literally get $2,000 deposited into your account in the next, like, two days. Um, 
it sure makes life a lot better knowing that you've got that money coming in. So um, I highly recommend if you're and if you're a student that doesn't qualify for that yet, there should be further help coming according to Trudeau. Um, and yeah, so take advantage of the fact that Canada is giving away this money because taxes will very likely be increased yeah, because of it. It's true though. It's true. But yeah, take advantage. It takes a lot of the, the load off. It's funny because we're not going to Europe. I'm going to have so much more money than I thought I would, Honestly, which is all going to go down to my student loans. <laughs> Honestly. Got any like recommendations or anything? Um, I don't know. I just watched Mad Max Fury Road again last night. That's a good movie still. That's quality. It's so good. And it's a movie about limited resources, so. It's true. It's true. Do I have any recommendations? Um, I've been reading this book called All the Bright Places. Nice. It's it's uh actually a Netflix movie now. <laughs> okay. Typically an adult novel. I think that's probably half the reason I ended up in darkness because apparently I relate too much to the main character who I found out is bipolar now. Nice. And I'm like, uh, I don't think I'm bipolar, but I get the whole like being pulled into darkness bits. Yep. Uh, but yeah, good, interesting novel. I'm not done it yet, but I'm close. And I'm pretty sure it's just really, really depressing. Exciting. <laughs> I'm now finished said book and I can confirm the ending was very sad and I just... Lots of tears. So I recommend that if you want to like read something that's an easy read, but also kind of sad. Um, and if you're watching TV again, still recommend Star Trek Picard. I know it's gotten mixed reviews now. I would say even if you only watch it because of episode seven and episode 10, that made it worth it. Nice. Um, community's still good. Community? Community. I've been binging. I've been binging. I finished season one of community now. And I've started season two again. I've, I've seen the first four seasons before. I haven't seen five and six, but apparently five and six are finally on Netflix along with the rest of the show. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you didn't have Netflix. Um, well, I have season I have season one of Community on DVD because a friend gave oh. it to me for free. And then I've been watching it with another friend and his girlfriend has Netflix. And so I've been using hers, but um, um, still a good show. Uh I haven't seen Community. Have you not? No. I I would recommend it. It is... There are, like, a couple bits of it. It's very, like... Because it started, what, like, mid to late 2000s. And you can tell um, there's a lot of, like, late 2000s humor that just probably wouldn't fly anymore. At least not to the same degree. Well, it's like The Office. Yeah. Um... Like one one of the the main characters' whole shtick is that he's old and racist and sexist and homophobic, and it works. I think it works in the context of the show, but I could definitely see people being like, "This shouldn't fly anymore," and that would be valid. Um, but, but it's I mean that's good old Clark Griswold. Yeah, but it's um it still holds up. Uh, 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 like except for those parts it's still really really witty humor um it's i would say it's pretty solid still um it kind of invented a lot of like the genre busting um tv tropes that we have now so it's like it's great i it's a good time nice. i recommend i might have to check that out there's a halloween episode where everyone accidentally becomes zombies because of 
toxic military meat, and then the ABBA soundtrack plays. And I'm like, this is a good episode. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Um, You on Netflix is freaking creepy, and if you want to feel really uncomfortable, watch it. <laughs> um it's it's about it's about a sociopath and you're in his mind and he narrates the show kind of yeah interesting but it's all about writing and like books so there's so many literary references and i'm like kind of gotta watch it but i'm also really uncomfortable and also there's our mutual friend logan is putting on a movie night on true tuesday which is i think tomorrow as this podcast goes up oh wow um so watch what is it no country for old men i think so i think i'll need to find the time and place to watch that is that on netflix i have no idea i watched it with colin like two years ago for one of his classes i didn't just sit down with colin and watch a movie (laughs) i mean i wouldn't blame you (laughs) i mean yeah it'd be a good experience um but yeah so if you want to join that there's a Zoom call, I believe. I don't know if that's going to be switched around because I think Logan bit off more than he could chew. Um, and I don't know what the link will be because it might have to switch hosts. And I don't know who's all going to be there, but there might be a lot of people. So even if you just want to jump in and listen to some academics talk about um, an, an academic movie, um, jump on in. I'm actually pretty sure all of you already know about this because all of like five people listen to this podcast. So, but not everyone who listens to the podcast is part of that friend group. Yeah, pretty much. I almost said our friend group, and then I was like, no, I feel like I need to contextualize that because I feel like some of our listeners would get upset if I said that. Wait, what? I what I meant by that is that there are people who watch who are my friends but aren't in our friend group. Oh, I know who you're referring to. <laughs> or at least I know you probably have people who listen because of you and not yeah. at all because of me. I mean, maybe they listen because of you now. Maybe. Yeah, I you know, I might be endearing to these people talking about how much I'm up, how much I don't like talking to my friends right now. Yeah. <laughs> they they I didn't listen mean to your that. openings and then they're like, "You know what? I can get into this guy." my openings can i just i I don't think we ever commented on the fact that both matthew pierce and colin toffelmeyer have listened to our podcast oh yeah and they both listen to me talk about nut butter (laughs) (laughs) hold on Uh, but you know so if you want to tweet out yeah actually no leave a review on this podcast because apparently it helps and we get no viewership there we go so or listenership so re- re- leave a review, rate us five stars, unless you don't like me or my stories. Yeah. Um, if you want to call me out, do it directly. If you want to talk about cats, tweet Glendon directly. Yeah. Um, because apparently there's a new version that Glendon wants to watch and talk about. Okay, so, so <laughs> um, somebody tweeted from like the Cats Blu-ray, they have like a description video um and so it's somebody just trying to like because because you know for for movies they have services for people who like can't see or are blind um you know one of those options um and so they have like descriptive video and they have it's just a clip of someone trying to do descriptive video for cats 2019 which is really funny to me because that movie defies logic never mind words 
Um, I don't know. That's kind of amazing. It's kind of fantastic. I feel like I, I've definitely... Um, January was my cat's highlight, and then I watched it three times and kind of moved on. But it's still great. I I don't... I definitely have a giant poster of cats in my room still. That's a thing that exists. I probably won't pick it up on Blu-ray, but, like, you never know. <laughs> you never know. A birthday present. Yikes. I've had so many people tweet me, like, the same cats parody meme, and I'm like, I guess that's who I am. That's fine. You kind of made that your whole Twitter account for, like, a month. It was it was definitely a lot of my Twitter and Facebook for a while. Or it alternated between that and Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Like I I've had the amount of people who've been like, I really liked your, your reviews and then you praised cats and I'm like, Well have you seen cats? And they're like, No. Like, then you can't judge it, stop that. Yeah, but you know, I don't have the money for that. But um yeah, Rise of Skywalker still bad. I'm not even gonna talk about this because nope. Too many bad feelings brought up. Darren posted about it, and that was funny to me. I'm not even going to say that it's a good movie. I just, I still stand by my claim, and I'm not going to debate it. How many? The climax works. How many times have you watched it? I've watched it two times. Okay. I'm not saying there aren't boring parts. I'm not saying that the story is necessarily good and that it couldn't have been better. I'm just saying that I think the climax works. I don't, I don't even know if I can make that statement, but... You you've Damn seen I, it you've seen it twice and will still defend it, which is more than I can say. I think it's really funny because the first though the one podcast that we did right after I saw it, I was kind of like Yeah. We were in opposite positions where I was like, you know what? Like I had problems with it, but like this and this and this and you were like, Oh, I, I bet it's really bad because you had seen all the leaks. And I like that we've switched. Yeah. Or I saw it a second time and was like, actually, I hate this. I can't stand this. I don't want to watch this again. And you're like, no, let's, whatever. I can engage with something that might not be considered good as long as I engage it for what it is. I mean, eng- like, I'm trying to engage with it for what it is. But what it is is there's no, there's no substance. My favorite reply was the, the one person who was like, um, your defense of the rise of Skywalker is really just a criticism of uh, what is it? Return, return. Of the oh Jedi? yeah, and that that just means that that part of that movie was was wrong or should have shouldn't have been that way. And yeah, I'm like, I disagree. Like, how do you then? What like do you have to stand on then? Yeah. your whole criticism, like your whole criticism of the rise of Skywalker climax scene, is because of that scene. So I mean, then, shut your mouth. My whole criticism of the Rise of Skywalker's climax. Not is, yours. I meant yeah, the guy who replied. Like it's partly in, based on Return of the Jedi, but in the sense of like Return of the Jedi's climax is emblematic of the entire. Um, I don't want to say theology. I guess like morality structure of Star Wars, which Rise of the Skywalker flies in the face of. But that's fine. I don't agree necessarily i think again it depends on how you interpret i genuinely think you can interpret it in a way that works without without ruining or without um taking it out of context i think you can i think you really have to bend for it i still claim that the climax is not her defeating palpatine but in ben raising ray from the dead and also the only thing i'll respond to you about your tweets (laughs) because most of what you said was at least mostly right um (laughs) 
But your objection to the healing portion of it, again, it, he, Ray wasn't healed. She was literally brought back to life. Yeah, but earlier in the movie, um, Kylo Ren has a life-altering, like... But he's not dead. But he's about to die. I, I feel like it's, like, it was a mortal injury. He would have died if Ray hadn't healed him. I feel yeah, like it's on the same He still had level. life in him is the point. I feel like it's on the same level. I I don't I I disagree. That'd be I I can't compare someone who's literally in the dead dead has no life in them and someone who has who's bleeding out. They're not dead yet. I also and this is like getting beyond the actual text of the movie and so it's not really yeah, an sure. argument. I also just don't think force healing should be a thing. I don't know, that's difficult, because it technically has always been a thing, but you're not wrong. Yeah. It makes things really convoluted. But again, it was literally in A New Hope, so... What, force healing? Yeah. Where? At least that's that's the argument. Where is it in A New Wait, Hope? Remember when, remember when Luke gets knocked out by the sand people at the beginning? Yeah. And Ben comes in and puts his hand on Luke's forehead, and then Luke wakes up? Sure. The argument is that that's force healing. I've seen it from multiple people. It kind of makes sense. That's dumb, but fine. That works for me. I don't know if it actually... I'd have to... I don't know if it's actually supposed to be force healing. No, it's not. Luke was knocked out and then woke up. That's all that is. Or he was he had a bad concussion and was healed. Uh, but yeah, I know. Force healing gets convoluted, so I understand. Yeah. But yeah, um, it's still the culmination of episode three and Plagueis and all that saving people's lives stuff so bang bang uh i don't know if there's anything else we really have to say or talk about for the podcast at least other than um if you want to talk hit me up hit up noah slide into my dms get right up um Oh, would you um, say right up what? Uh, also, today is apparently National Horny Day, so that's a thing. <sighs> well, I know it has to be done. Time to bring back the nut butter. Yikes. <laughs> um, man, we went this whole episode without me having to make any kind of joke. You you already made a nut butter joke. I just said that I that someone listened to me say nut butter, which is legendary, I gotta say. Oh, now they got to listen to it again. Um, Noah, can you answer a question for me? What? What, what is Palpatine's plan in The Rise of Skywalker? Oh my god, no, we're not talking about I'm, this. I legitimately don't know what it is. I think Palpatine's plan was to manipulate everyone into believing he didn't have a plan. <laughs> well, then he succeeded with the audience. <laughs> Perfect. Again, I'm not saying the story was necessarily perfect. I'm just saying that I like the climax. You would say that. Which is, which is, yeah, which is all that really matters. Damn it. Um, I'm not going to go back on Omegle. <laughs> Though it is, you know, of all days. Yeah, today might either be the best day or the worst day to go on there. Now I kind of want to know. I keep thinking about, um, shoot, I can't even remember what the name of it is. What's that one dating app that everyone jokes about? Tinder? Tinder. I keep, I keep half seriously thinking about going on t- Tinder, not to set up dates, but just to have conversations with people. Yeah, okay, so here's the thing about that. <laughs> um, 
I've gotten like two or three matches all recently because people are desperate and alone. Um, and nobody actually talks. That's fair. But maybe you look, maybe you, maybe you have better luck than I do. So I'm a more stable guy, Noah. It's always weird running across people I know, though. Oh, that would be weird. Was it, was it you who said they ran into someone who listened to the pot? No, they listened to your videos. Oh yeah, that was on Omega though. That's yeah, that still only happened once where someone was like, "Yeah, I recognize you," and I'm like, "What?" Your internet famous. I only have 275 subs. But yeah, so I actually gained a few subs from going on Omegle because I'm just like, yeah, I do ASMR videos. And like, oh, we'll sub to you. And I'm like, that's how it's done. But yeah, so if you ever get desperate and alone, hit up Omegle. You'll have to um, skip a few body parts that you might not want to see. Yikes. Or maybe you do want to see. I mean, I'm not judging. Super yikes. Okay, I should say if you're single or if you're with your significant other and both want to go on. But if you're married and going on by yourself, that probably is a bad look. Not a good idea, unless it's for like funnies or content. I've come across a bunch of like usually, like a lot of times, people are on with friends or with like significant others or whatever. Like genuinely, most people are decent on Omegle. Yeah, but it's just literally the ones that aren't ruin it. Just like American evangelicals. Nice. Trump put his name on money. I found a two-hour video yesterday. Uh, about the Left Behind movies. Oh, no. I only got, like, 20 minutes in, because the first 20 minutes was all about um, the evangelical church and how Christianity is really diverse and why the Western church is so weirdly obsessed about the rapture when literally no one else is. Um, And then he started talking about Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins, who are the writers of the original Left Behind series. And yeah. I wish I was surprised, but he started talking about Tim LaHaye. He's like, yeah, Tim LaHaye was sexist and homophobic and uh, anti-Catholic. And he believed in the Illuminati, but believed the Illuminati was run by Satan. Um, and Jerry B. Yep. Jerry B. Jenkins Sounds believed right. that there were three heavens. Um, and one of them was the atmosphere where Satan lived. And the first two heavens had to be destroyed before the third heaven would appear so they're both insane. Yep, that you know, that's kind of to be expected, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's left behind. <laughs> I'm, I'm very sad with how much of my life I spent on, like that topic in general, but also like because they had a a teen series that I read all of, and it's not good. Um. Too much of my life went to that. Yep. It's very sad. But you're talking to the guy who devoted at least two or three years of his life to cryptozoology. That's fair. Hey, Noah, tell me about dinosaurs. <laughs> no, we're at an hour and 35 minutes. This is not the time for dinosaurs. <laughs> but I can tell you that Michele Mbombe lives in the Congo and that um, pterosaurs still soar across Papua New Guinea. You bet. And that the Loch Ness Monster is a plesiosaur and that... Um, they're still around. Every every once in a while, I see someone refer to a, a plesiosaur as a water dinosaur, and I get sad. Yeah, it's not a wine, not a whiner dinosaur. dinosaur. <laughs> um, it's a freaking. I, I what's the actual term for it? Is it? It's a plesiosaur. I don't. Is it? Oh yeah, it's its own sub like subspecies or species or whatever. Also. 
The McKellion Bombay is a brachiosaurus. Nice. Vote for Biden 2020. Uh, should we talk about that? We don't really have a ton of time. For me, it's an easy choice to vote for Biden. That's it. I have nothing to say other than rip Bernie. I mean, Bernie just... Endorsed? Yes, he just endorsed Biden. Yeah, well, it's like he didn't... His choices were to endorse Biden or to not endorse Biden. And he chose to endorse Biden. It's just the good choice. It's true. The true choice is to vote, um, but to vote... What's the term? No confidence or whatever? But... No one's gonna do that. So vote Biden. I don't know. Vote Biden. It's like it's literally. I don't care. He's not Trump. He's not much different than Trump. Also, this is honestly, I've I've just become completely apathetic with U.S. politics at this point. I mean, I'm just Biden's policies will be better than Trump's policies. What are Biden's policies for me? What? Tell me what Biden's policies are. I don't study the politics. I just know that if he runs with Kamala Harris as his VP, I will like Biden more than Trump. That's fair. And again, Biden isn't narcissistic at the very least. He might not be able to speak, and he might have a questionable potential history with maybe sexual assault. Probably. But, you know, he's not a narcissist. I just, the point that I'm at, I'm I'm not Canadian, or I'm not Canadian. I'm Canadian, so ultimately my voice doesn't matter at all. Um, but I'm, I'm very, cause I don't think Biden can beat the cult of Trump. Ultimately, that's what the war is. And I feel like the cult of Trump is just going to overrun anything that Biden does. And it's not going to matter. And it's all the same anyway. No one's going to make any real social change. Capitalism is going to be the end of society. Okay, well, now you're just sounding like me after the last Canadian election. Sup. That was, yeah, I, that's pretty much exactly what I say. This, everything, everything happening right now has completely shattered my faith. Not that I had faith, uh, but completely shattered any faith that I had in a capitalist society. Because Bernie Lust, who's the only person... Bernie and Warren seemed to be the only people who wanted any genuine social change, and so people rejected them. I disagree. All of all of the billionaires are doing squat. They'll, they're giving pocket change to the poor when they could be actually making a difference, but they... they That's true. They don't hey, want... Bill Gates, didn't he like buy a bunch of vaccine creation centers or something? Maybe, but I'm like, people are sitting on billions, and they won't give... Like, they... People have like six billion dollars and won't give away one billion of those dollars, which would do so much. But they're freaking greedy, so they won't do anything. We should ban billionaires. Hashtag UBI. Capitalism UBI. is a disease. But universal basic income is the the vaccine. Down with the system. You know, Yang wanted social change. That's fair. I didn't know anything about Yang's policies, but he seemed nice. Yang was literally the most progressive out of, uh, uh, besides Sanders. Yeah. Actually, yeah, Kamala Harris wanted social change. She dropped out pretty early, though. Yeah. Um. Who else? There was a bunch that I was pretty cool with. I still supported Buttigieg, even though he may have been maybe a bit moderate. I'm cool with him. Yeah, it, it, Buttigieg was weird, because I feel like I remember first hearing about him and being like, oh, this guy's, like, really charismatic and, like, well-spoken. And I feel like I yeah. watched the entire internet turn on him. Um, People were being blatantly homophobic, and that pissed me off. Uh, that 
probably was part of it. There's also other stuff that I saw where I was like, that's a little sketch, but... Oh, there's definitely some sketchy things, but I don't know. I still would have been fine with them. But I was Yang Gang. Yang Gang. I don't follow U.S. politics enough to, like, openly support someone. I just hear what people say and make decisions that don't affect me. I'm just... I'm so... It baffles me that in the middle of a global pandemic, people won't vote for the person who wants decent Medicare. That is fundamentally baffling to me and has made me lose all hope for the United States. But Bernie lost long before the pandemic started. That's not true, though. He... Yeah, the... the Because... The, like the big Super Tuesday one or whatever, he lost like every state but three. Yeah. Um, I just, I feel like, I don't know. It, it seems to me like you could come back. If the U.S. votership was intelligent, they'd be like, oh, shoot, and make vast changes to be like, actually, no, this is the only guy who, like, is supporting anything. But the United States is brainwashed to not care about Medicare, so... I mean, again, Sanders can influence Biden now and try to get him to move his policies towards Biden. More. Biden doesn't um, want Medicare. Maybe, or maybe not. He's openly stated that he doesn't want Medicare. But maybe he can be, again, maybe he can be influenced. Maybe. I appreciate that we've spent 45 minutes now on, like, random subjects. Yeah, I know. Well, the important stuff was early on this time. Yeah. If you want to cut this down, you can, but... I don't think I'll cut it, but it's more like... I'll probably put a disclaimer like, you can stop listening now, or if you want to listen to us talk about random subjects for 45 minutes. Star Wars and politics. Welcome to the... Which is fine. 3040 Vision. That's basically our podcast, is talking about serious topics and then talking about whatever comes to mind. At least we're doing it in that order now, so then people don't have to sit through 40 minutes of us talking about random topics before getting to the actual topic <laughs> at hand. Vote Bernie. Um, <laughs> Bernie's d- done. <laughs> he's he's okay? Um, I'm being a real type four in the last week and a half where everything is way too overly emotional, and I'm... That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Emotions are valid. Feel grief when you need to. Yes. And don't don't scapegoat yourself or your friends because of your own feelings. Yeah. And watch Ryan Johnson's trilogy references into everything. <laughs> watch Knives Out again. That was a good watch movie. Knives Out again. It's funny because, like, I I I realized in the past week that both Ryan Johnson and um, Oscar Isaac are like post evangelical, <laughs> or like, of course, grew up in like youth groups and whatever, and like have since like moved on and done other stuff. I think Ryan Johnson described himself as essentially a theist right now. Um, and I'm like, this makes a lot of sense in The Last Jedi. Yeah, totally. Also, actually, I don't know if I ever recommended this, but Rent and Link are also post-evangelical. Interesting. Listen to Ear Biscuits. They go through their whole deconstruction journey. It's a four-episode like thing, and it's a quite good. Also, not related, but John Krasinski is doing a bunch of stuff to like unite people and like yes, talk about stuff. So that's cool. Some good news. Yeah. Um, and also, he's going to be Mr. Fantastic. Probably, which is exciting. That, I just hope Emily Blunt is going to be Susan. Susan. would be good. That'd be banging. I feel like that's a whole, that could be a whole other um, podcast conversation, is do we care about the MCU anymore? I know, I've been thinking about that too. I literally don't think I do. <laughs> I honestly, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, 
this is postponing our ending, but like I I watched Endgame. I loved Endgame. I still love Endgame. I think it's a perfect ending. Um, I really liked Far From Home. I still really want to see the new Doctor Strange and Eternals and stuff, but I'm also like at the same time, like I kind of don't care. It's really yep, weird. That's how I feel. Because like the MCU was a huge part of my life for like basically since high school. Like I got into it in high school, early high school, and mm-hmm. the MCU is a part of the reason I got into film following Guardians of the Galaxy onto like a film podcast where they were talking about it. And that's how I got into like movies really in a big way. And I'm like I was watching some video and they had like the the Marvel intro and I'm like, I haven't seen this in almost a full year. Because I saw Far From Home in theater, and I just, yep. I don't know if I've watched a Marvel movie since then. I've maybe seen Endgame on Blu-ray. It's weird. It's really weird. Shield's coming out in like a month, though. Shield, one month. Shield, I'm excited for that. That's the only thing I'm like. I'm more excited for Shield than I am for Black Widow. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. The only reason I want to see Black Widow is because Taskmaster's in it. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing with the MCU, though. Considering it's National Horny Day, apparently. Oh. Um, the entire MCU up until the Infinity, like Infinity War and Endgame, was literally like edging. You know, you're getting close to that point. You're real excited and really into it, and you got to keep going because you know you're gonna get to that to that climax. And then the climax hits, you didn't and you're have just kind of this a sexual thing. You could have just <laughs> used the regular terms, but sure. And and then you just you're just kind of. You're worn out. You're just in that post-climax phase where you're just... You don't want to think about it. You're kind of tired. But you always come back. My my theory right now is that Kevin Feige was relying a lot on just sheer momentum. Yep. Because, like... We had, for a while, there's two movies a year. And then there's three movies a year. And now that it's been almost a full year since Far From Home came out, which is the last movie. And I feel like just the fact that they've released the gas at all, everyone has lost interest, which is really interesting. Because I don't think they're, I don't think they're bad movies. I don't even necessarily think that they're, um, there's like a superhero fatigue. I just think people aren't interested in the story anymore. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I still think it's a post-climax fatigue, but... I'm, that's also entirely valid, I think. Um, but we'll see. At least that's... Even, like, when Far From Home came out, as much, like, I enjoyed the movie when I watched it, but I wasn't, like, super excited for it. I I was a little bit excited for it just because I really liked Tom Holland's Spider-Man, and I really like Mysterio, and I liked the idea yeah. of... Um, yeah. Frick, why can't I think of his name? Jake Gyllenhaal? Jake Gyllenhaal. I was like, Jake Gyllenhaal's going to be cool as Mysterio, and he was so good. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird. It's As someone who is like a fairly significant Marvel fan, Black Widow doesn't super excite me. I, I want to see other movies, but I'm not excited for them in the same, in the same way. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited for Dune, though. Yes, I was going to say, actually, that looks like it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, we should actually finish this. Yes. Um, grief. Um, Grief's okay. Don't scapegoat people. Engage your grief. Um, listen to your body. Good night, Chicago. So long, Toronto. And I'm going to end this with 
a poem because we're going to oh, suddenly go sure. back to the seriousness. Um, this is called Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I'll tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, how isolated, how broken you feel, no matter how much you've lost, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. I think we can stop recording.